As you've been listening to this series on doctrine, I hope you've noticed a pattern. Much of what is discussed begins with Genesis 1-3, through and I do really hope this point is not lost on us, because it tells us something about the story of Scripture and the design and plan for how the story is to be understood. God creates with intentionality, and the intentionality with which He creates is intended to be a guiding principle for all who would read the Bible. The reason the Bible starts with Genesis 1-3 through is because God intends us to understand and see all of His Word in light of these important truths. And as we see these truths worked out in Scripture, we actually do begin to see God's creation as it's intended to be seen. This means the truths found in Genesis 1-3 through are formative for the way we understand the world. In our day, this is most urgently clear in the way we understand God's design and purpose in creating mankind. One of the most pressing cultural questions is that of true self. What is the best expression of me? Now, this does sound like a good question to ask, but only insofar as it drives us to understand who we are created to be. There actually is an objectively clear design and purpose for all peoples, and it's not something that we necessarily find within ourselves, but rather within God's Word. So let's take a look at what the Bible says. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. A couple of things to note here. This scripture is given to us before God's creation was corrupted, which means this is God's intended design. And just because sin enters into the world in Genesis 3, that doesn't mean God's intention for men and women has changed. In fact, it simply means his design will be a source of consternation between the Creator and the created. They will rebel against God's good design, even in terms of how, why, and for what purpose they were created. This is fleshed out in two major ways. One of these ways is an ongoing, every generation, at all times battle with the idea of likeness or image-bearing. Rebels don't want to be like God, they want to be God. This is why idolatry is so prevalent throughout scripture and today, whether it be idols of stone, idols of mythological gods and goddesses, idols of philosophies, or idols of self, rebels desire control and power. But Genesis 1 doesn't say man is God, but that he is made in the likeness and image of God. This is important as we develop a view of what it means to be human. First and foremost, it means that men and women are the most significant of God's creatures. We are not unlike him. We are like Him. We're not rocks. We're not pigs. We're image bearers, which means the essence of who we are is to be understood by who God is. We can think, create, and reason. We feel emotions and have substantive, complex relationships, and we are the primary stewards of the world. In fact, all that we are can only be understood by who we are made to be, images of God. This means all of humanity has dignity, value, and worth and are to be treated as such. The second of these is at times more or less prevalent, but it's the rebellion against identity and sexuality. When you look at ancient cultures, the topic of sexuality is often addressed. Much like our day, it was a persistent source of immorality. And as time progresses to our modern day culture, the topic is still sexuality. But now, on a large scale, it includes the idea of identity. It's no longer just what I want to do, but who I want to be, or most often, who I really am. At this point, this is where our understanding of Genesis 1 and 2 becomes exceedingly important. Does Scripture seem to indicate that we are both male and female, or that we get to choose which we are, or that God could have potentially made a mistake that means our biology doesn't match our identity? The answer to all three is no. 
Scripture is very clear as to God's design of His image bearers. He created them in His likeness. In His image, He created them. Male and female, He created them. This means exactly what God intends it to mean. He created two genders, male and female, and gave them the mandate to be fruitful, an act which can only be accomplished by God's design through God's intended means. Now, in case the argument is made that gender identity is important, we must heartily agree. God refers to himself as Father, Son, and Spirit, and God himself communicates about himself with masculine pronouns. Because God intends himself to be revealed and understood as male, Likewise, with his creatures, he intends them to be understood by the design he has objectively revealed, either male or female, which is discerned at birth according to God's design. The most important part of God's design in creating humans is not that we might experience self-fulfillment, but rather that our lives be an expression of our Creator, that we live with the intention and in the design of the one who designed us. This means the ways in which we think, act, feel, and look, all of these serve to bring glory to the one in whose image we are made.